there's been quite a few really amazing companies I think anybody would kind of clamor to get into that have reached out to me that when I stopped and I did some research, I was just like, Nah. nah. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like it's a perfect opportunity for us to be teachers, to teach people, hey, be cool, be normal. Like just because I have a new hairdo doesn't mean like it's it's something like yeah. crazy yeah. going on. Obviously work is important. I need to pay my bills. <laughs> I think the only way that you really can is to call it out. It mm. needs to be called out. Who says tech can't be human? What is going on, everyone? Welcome back to the show. Glad to be back again. And it's nothing like being back in a studio mm -hmm. with great guests. Our guest this episode is McKenna Yakey. Mm -hmm. McKenna, you know, when we first met, it was kind of through happenstance. You mm -hmm. were on Hacker Valley Blue. Mm -hmm. You spoke to Davin Jackson. Yep. And it's almost like everywhere we turned after that, we kept seeing you. And we're like, <laughs> what? And you're local to Dallas. Mm -hmm. So I'm so glad that we got a chance to do this and get it together. And welcome to the podcast. Yeah, thank you so much. I'm really excited to be here. This is a great way for me to kind of end my, you know, in my year for me. So yeah, thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. I mean, you are a technician at heart. Uh, we love the fact that you're on our Discord hanging mm -hmm. out. We're talking about video games <laughs> and all that good stuff. But unfortunately, in the world that we're living in today, there's been a lot of changes, especially for people and their employment. Mm -hmm. And I do know recently uh, something happened in your life that really kind of changed everything and turned it upside down. Could you tell us a little bit about that experience? Yeah, absolutely. So about a week or two ago, it was kind of unexpectedly laid off from my company. I mean, I think if, you know, you really took the pulse of what was going on and like the market and the economy, you could kind of see it coming down the pipeline. But, you know, I was hoping, you know, I'm in security, I'll be all right. right. Um, but that wasn't the case, you know, and I understand things happen. But yeah, that was that was kind of a first for me. I've had many firsts this year. And that was my first, my first layoff, unfortunately. I'm so sorry to hear that. Can you take us through sort of what that journey was like? Because I'm sure that, you know, there was lows. But in, when we were talking before the podcast, there was a, an unintended uptick. Could you walk us through what that was like for you? Yeah, absolutely. So I think, you know, for me, the 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 initial layoff was really surprising, right? I just didn't expect it. You know, I, I took a day to really kind of like sit down and reflect and feel my feelings and, you know, kind of be lost in how, you know, I felt about the whole situation and just take a moment to kind of grieve because I was leaving some amazing coworkers and we were doing some really great work that I was excited about and passionate about. So, you know, it was, it was kind of a, it was a letdown, but, um, you know, when I, put my post out on LinkedIn and kind of let everybody know um, the outpouring was so, so intense. Mm. <laughs> Honestly, I was super, super overwhelmed by it. But I mean, so many people that I've I've either worked with um, in the past or people that I've I've done a lot of volunteer work or um, even just people that have seen me through podcasts and kind of followed my journey um, in cybersecurity all came pouring out. And, you know, I felt super supported, super appreciated. And, you know, I had lots of opportunities come my way, some that I just had to eventually say, I, I can't manage this on 
you know, I have too many to choose from and I got, you know, kind of have to be cognizant of my time and my energy. For the low that I had, I had an immediate bounce back up and I, I feel very thankful for that. And I'm sure like in that moment of just even learning that that job is no longer yours was probably like, I can only imagine what you were going through, what mm -hmm. you felt at that time. Give us a peek inside your mind, like what was going on when, you know, this all went down and, and how'd you respond to it? Yeah, so I think I tend to be a very emotionally stoic person to begin with. I, you know, me and my husband were laughing. He's like, I think I'm more mad about this than you are. <laughs> I tend to take things in stride. You know, I realize that sometimes things happen for a reason and one door closes, another door is going to open. And I tend to live my life in that with that perspective. Um, but I mean, I would be lying if I didn't say I was like disappointed. You mm -hmm. know, I think more than anything, I was disappointed, shocked a little bit because, you know, I felt like and I had, you know, received um, feedback that I was a good employee, that I, you know, I showed up and I did good work and I was a great, you know, I was a great teammate. I don't think I really had any problems with anybody. So I was kind of shocked, you know, and to hear that your position is redundant or like the right. work you're working on isn't impactful going into the new year, it kind of makes you second guess everything you've been doing, you know, up into that point. Like, was there something I could have done differently? Or, you know, did I not advocate for myself appropriately? Or, you know, did people not really see my value? And what what had I done? So I think at first, um, I kind of took it as like something I might have done. Mm -hmm. um, and I reached out and I asked, you know, I asked those questions. And I was told, you know, it's just your position is redundant. And you know, that that was hard to hear. But again, you know, I, I tend to take things in stride. And I just, I kind of, you know, pouted for a little bit. And I said, I think I'm just going to go hide under my blanket and play some video games for a little bit and <laughs> right. get my spirit back. So, yeah. yeah. I mean, that was kind of like, that was that day for me. It was just, wow. And, and just kind of like telling family what was going on. And cause it's, it's hard around the holidays, you know, it's just like, is everything going to be okay? Right. You know, so, yeah, yeah. You know, one thing that honestly concerns me is that it's a good thing. You're a bit emotionally stoic, right? Mm -hmm. A little tough, right? You're like, eh, you know, what happens happens. But then also you had this outpour from the community, mm -hmm. but I'm sure there are a lot of people out there that got laid off that didn't get that, yeah. that aren't emotionally stoic. And so a lot of times they don't even feel like they're necessarily a part of cybersecurity anymore. They're like, is this even for mm -hmm. me? What would you have to say to the folks out there that are feeling like that after a layoff? I think that is a very natural feeling to have, um, especially with just kind of the culture of cybersecurity. I think it's very easy to feel imposter syndrome and feel like maybe I don't belong. I tend to try to remind people that you are here because you want to be here and that is valid. You know, you do not need anybody else telling you that you belong here. If you feel you belong here, you belong here. Yep. And that's something I had to learn because I had a ton of, you know, imposter syndrome starting out. And there was even points during my, um, you know, my job during that that year and a half that I was there that I, I felt like is cybersecurity even for me? Am I mm -hmm. even doing a good enough job? Am I even technical enough for this job? And I was re really lucky to have a community to tell me, you belong here if you want to be here. That's mm -hmm. all that matters. Do you right. care about the work that you're doing? Do you have passion for it? Do you see value in the work that you're doing? Then you belong here, you know, and, and if somebody doesn't see that, that's their problem, not yours. Yeah. So I think that people just have to kind of remember that um, during these really difficult times that you belong wherever you say you belong. Mm -hmm. So 
How are you feeling? Do you feel oh, a sense of belonging in cybersecurity? Oh, 100%. I think even with the layoff, I still feel like I belong here and I still have intrinsic value that I can provide to the community. And I plan to provide it for as long as, as humanly possible. I'm, I'm in for the long haul. So I hope everybody gets used to seeing my face. <laughs> yeah, no, definitely. I love it. And you know, like when you look back at the community support, I mean, just to be able to post to something like LinkedIn, Twitter, wherever, mm -hmm. and to hear people say like, hey, I got you. Like, yeah. mm -hmm. I'm going to help you out however I can. Like that's, that's incredibly powerful. And we had a guest on the podcast way back, AMZ, and she was talking mm -hmm. about uh, being in a situation where she was going through this really tough hike mm -hmm. yeah. and part of the end of the hike was to bike up a very steep hill mm -hmm. and people were helping push her up the hill mm -hmm. and you know to feel like someone has your back from you know the parts of your life that are the hardest or even the easiest yeah. is so special like when you think of the community and like how you're so involved what are you doing to like make people feel welcomed in that same way Oh my goodness. So I think I've been told that I have like a, a mama bear vibe <laughs> yeah. with those that I like come into their lives and I support their, you know, whatever they're trying to do their journey. Because when I come in and I support, I give my all. It's very hard for me to kind of hide how much I care about somebody. And I do, I get really attached to every person's journey, no matter what it is, where you're starting from, um, where you're coming from, you know, I get really attached to those journeys. And I feel like they're part of my journey. Mm -hmm. So for me, it's anything from, hey, do you need to have talks? Do you need support? Do you need somebody to come in and give you advice on a difficult situation? I've had plenty of people come in and say, how would you deal with this situation? I don't know how to navigate this specific issue that I'm dealing with. Or somebody saying, hey, I, I need some resources. Or hey, can you sit down and, and do you know an hour study session with me? Mm -hmm. And I am gung-ho for it all. And I'm, I'm honest with people on whether, you know, like, hey, that's not my, my forte, but hey, we'll learn something new today together. You mm -hmm. know, the type of support I tend to give is is very in depth. And I think, you know, for some people who probably don't want somebody as intense as me when it comes to support, you know, they might be like, okay, that's enough. Thank you. Um, but the people that I do try to, you know, lift up and empower, I, I try to give them my all. And I, and I do that because I've, I've gotten that. So I try mm -hmm. to give back exactly what I've gotten and then double it. So, mm -hmm. yeah. So a week and a half ago, this layoff happens, the community pulls you up, mm -hmm. right? And gives you that, that motivation. You're like, you know what? I do belong here. Yeah. But it didn't stop there. You went on a tear. Tell us about that tear of, of looking for the, the next role. Yeah, so I mean, it was kind of crazy for me because I, you know, I had a lot of different companies that had been interested in me, seeing the podcast that I had done, seeing some of the content that I had created, and they had reached out to me before. And I was always like, no, I'm, I'm pretty happy with where I'm at. So like, as soon as, you know, I, I put out the call, like, it was <laughs> overwhelming. And so yeah. it was just kind of like, running through every kind of interview that I could. And, I, you know, the way that I work is that, um, you know, if I don't think this is going to be a fit for me, I know I know somebody great that that would be a great fit. So mm, I always yeah. refer somebody. Right. But yeah, I mean, I just went on, you know, like, I, I, I was just like juggling. I had to actually make me a spreadsheet of <laughs> like, yes or no. How, like, how many interviews did you end up doing? Um, oh, my goodness. I think I had 12 
interviews just in a week mm. i was exhausted i was tired like that's like yeah. more than two a day yes yeah. i was tired and you you know you got to remember like a lot of of these security engineer jobs are like four hour long interviews right, with yeah. like multiple people mm -hmm. and multiple questions so yeah i was i was hopped up on red bull <laughs> <laughs> i bet being back you know on that side especially uh after coming from a layoff mm -hmm. i'm sure you you had a different set of criteria maybe different set of expectations for who you're willing to work with but what were some of those things that you were looking for when you were like going through this 12 plus uh interview spree yeah so my big thing for me is is getting a feel for the leadership um and also how people collaborate so for me i have a huge set of like i have a bank of questions that i ask and a lot of them have to do around you know, what is your leadership style? What kind of employees do you think thrive underneath you? Can you talk to me about an example of a time where you had somebody that wasn't thriving? What did you do to help them? Mm. You know, I, I ask a lot of leadership questions. Right. I ask about how they communicate, what their expectations are. Um, and then I also like to dig into DEI and ask them, you know, how do you include people? Cybersecurity is starting to become way more um, diverse. Mm -hmm. You know, there's more women coming in, not as much as I would like, but there's more women coming in every day. Um, and it's really important because a lot of these teams no longer look the same. You right. know, it's not mostly white men anymore. You have, um, you know, women of color, you have transgender, you have, you know, people who identify from a lot of different um, identities. And it's really important to see how leadership is one, training themselves on how to deal with those different backgrounds and how effective their leadership is in dealing with that. So those were some really heavy questions that I asked. Not not everybody really passed my, you <laughs> right, know, yeah, and I yeah. was like, I, you know, I think you're great, but I don't think this is the fit for me yeah. mm -hmm. because it is important. I think it's becoming more and more important and, and, and inclusivity needs to be talked about more, especially when doing interviews because... Um, you know, it, it's important. It really is. I mean, these we spend a lot of time at our jobs. We give a lot of our energy and time to these companies. The least they can do is be good leaders and care about mm -hmm. the impact that they have on our lives mm -hmm. and the impact they have on our careers. Yeah. So, yeah. I think a lot of times leaders don't realize that mm -hmm. you can ruin someone's day just by not being empathetic or overlooking them or just not seeing them in general. Mm -hmm. And that's one thing that I think is great about the work that you do is that you don't only do a great job in cybersecurity, but you also invest in women uh, resource groups, mm -hmm. like either within your organization or even outside of. When you pull all these women together, like what is the, the, the current temperature of the the environment are we getting better about being sure that people are included not only women but also minorities and underrepresented folks do you think is there a feeling that things are getting better or is there still a lot of work to go there's still a lot of work that needs to be done i think there are some amazing leaders and teams out there that are just absolutely killing it and they should be the benchmark, in my mm -hmm. opinion, they should be baseline. It's still really kind of rough out there. You know, as I'm pulling women together and we're talking about these things, I mean, even at, you know, um, at previous companies, um, a lot of them just felt kind of shut down. They felt dismissed. They felt like there was a lot of unconscious bias that was happening, um, even in one-on-ones that kept them from, you know, being promoted, you know, just didn't feel um, supported enough 
that they just left. They just left cybersecurity altogether. And that mm. to me is, that's unacceptable. Sad. So I think there's a lot of room to grow and you know, no, no shame to any of these leaders. I think they're doing the best with what they currently have. Um, but right now where we're at, that's not good enough, you know, mm -hmm. and that's okay. We need to, we need to have that conversation. There needs to be openness and transparency about where we can improve. I think being a leader and a worker right now is really different because mm -hmm. we work remote a lot of times and you're getting to know people that you've never seen in person and you know, you're meeting them at their house and maybe some of the things that they do at home are a lot different than what they would do in the workplace. But I, I also think with how we work and you know, the leaders that we have, it defines us in some yeah. ways work in my life was the definition of who I was as a person. Mm -hmm. I would right. use work as a metric, the success I had or lack thereof as a metric to define how I felt as a person. Do you ever feel that way, you know, working in security and even like just trying to like become better and better? Yeah, I think that I feel like that's a rather normal feeling, especially <laughs> in cybersecurity. I think a lot of us attach and equate value, our value to like the job we're doing just because security can be so intensive of a job, the needs of what the company has, um, the constant tech that's coming out, all the new threats, all the new vulnerabilities. It's you have to be constantly go, 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 go. Mm -hmm. And so it's really hard not to attach your value to how impactful you're being and how much you're accomplishing. I mean, for me, it's still something that I'm trying trying to find a balance with like I'm not there yet but I think the important thing is that I've had a community that's told me you know hey McKenna I think it's time to take a step back or hey McKenna it's time to put you know the gas to the pedal or hey McKenna your value is not just based on the job that you do mm -hmm. you know your value is based on so many other things there's value in in the things that I do for the community so I mean I wish I I had the answer to how not to do that, how not, but you know, I'll let you know when I figure it out. <laughs> right. <laughs> we we've talked a little bit about the organizations that might not be a good fit, right? Mm -hmm. You ask them some hard questions because you really want to understand the culture, the leadership, but you found a new home. Yep. Tell us about finding that new home. Like how were they answering the questions in the right way that made you feel like, yes, this is a place that I can go to and continue to grow? Yeah. So I think the thing that was really refreshing to me was they were really honest. And I think some people can kind of get scared off by the honesty. They're just like, listen, we got a lot of room for growth. And the director was not shy about that, mm. you know, and I loved it because he also took the time to sit down and show me his plan and all the things that he was doing. And when I would ask, you know, the other people that I were interviewing with, these were people that have followed him from multiple different companies. You know, they believed in his leadership. And when I looked at the people that have followed him, they weren't just they weren't just white men, you know, mm -hmm. they were women of color, people identified differently, mm -hmm. and they all believed in his leadership and saw how he had improved the culture wherever he was. And the thing that I loved about it was he said, here's an about me page. I don't know if anybody's seen those, um, how to work with me. Oh, yeah, things. yeah. He had one mm -hmm. and it was, was public. It was public. Okay. It was public. And he, you know, he's very open to feedback. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I, I asked him some really difficult questions and he was very honest with like, hey, McKenna, I'm just not there yet, but I would really love your insight. I would really love your feedback. And I think you have an opportunity to do that here. And we have plenty of room for improvement. And if you're, if you're willing to, I'd really like to see you 
help us with that. Not just from the technical stance and the security stuff, but the right. culture at whole. And so that kind of won me over. I was just like, okay, nice. the honesty yeah. is super refreshing. You know, yeah. like he knows he's not perfect. The team knew that the things that they were doing and the company that, that they worked for wasn't perfect, but they all seemed very passionate about making that change. Mm-hmm. And so that was important to me. So earlier I asked if you felt like you belonged in cybersecurity. It, it really sounds like you do, because when Chris asked you about what did you look for as an answer? You know, none of it really has to do with the role itself. Yeah. It's like, hey, right. what kind of environment am I going to be living in? Yeah. Mm-hmm. What kind of environment am I going to be spending most of my day? Because it's eight hours out of your day, maybe even more mm-hmm. dealing mm-hmm. with the work that we deal in and saying yes to that. But when you look at like things like the skills that are required or even things like the money, how do you start to assess that, especially starting from a more fresh state? Yeah, so that I think that's kind of the hard balancing act, right, is because you might find a really great position that maybe culture wise is a great fit, but maybe the work's not there or maybe the pay is not there. And so for me, I really try to take a step back and take a more holistic point of view about my career because I'm not just looking at, you know, the next year, I'm looking at the next three five, you know, 10 years down the line, that's important to me. So I have to sit back and go, okay, McKenna, what is going to be the most impactful thing in your life right now? Um, And how is your job going to, you know, either get in the way of that? How is it going to support that? What are the things you want in the next couple of years? And how does, you know, this current job, this company, how does that kind of fall into that? So I try to take a more holistic approach. And I feel like I've been able to kind of find a balance. But I also, you know, another big thing is I do a ton of research on these companies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, there's been quite a few really amazing companies I think anybody would kind of clamor to get into that have reached out to me that when I stopped and I did some research, I was just like, Nah, Nah. (laughs) even the prestige is not enough for me. Right. Because there are a lot of other things that I want to do with my life outside of work Mm -hmm. that I also need this to fit in there. And do I feel like this leadership can help me get to the next level in my career? So, but I think that's also kind of a a privileged stance I get to have because I'm in a point in my career where I can kind of do that. And I know that's not something that everybody has the opportunity to, but I would say for those that do, to try to take a more holistic approach and look Mm -hmm. at it for more than just like, is a work cool right now, you know, or is the money really, really good right now? You have to think about what's going to be important in the next couple of years. And that that forward thinking and that forward planning, I think is kind of tough. So if you can kind of work that muscle and and learn, (laughs) I think you will find that you fall into better companies, better positions, better opportunities more often than not. Right. Yeah. How many days was it between being laid off and then starting your new role? Like five days, I think. Five days. Yeah, like five days. Like even after I had decided to accept that role, I still had interviews. Wow. Um, and I was like, well, I'm, I'm going to be polite and still finish these interviews. But I was still like, I, I think I found my home. <laughs> that <laughs> I, is I didn't want to waste people's time, but I was also like, I think I found my home. And yeah. I try to be upfront with them. Um, but a lot of them were just like, well, come come do the interview and maybe we can convince you to say no yeah. to the other job. <laughs> so. That's a good place to be it's in. It's a wonderful right? place to be in. Talking yeah. to all those those companies, being able to find your new role. Yeah. Because I'm sure there's a lot of people that have gone through a layoff and it, it went way longer than they anticipated. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What would you say is some of the, the tidbits do you think people could use to speed up that time between being laid off and finding that next home? I think the important thing is networking. And I think this is kind of like a 
like a really reused answer. Um, but I cannot stress the importance of networking and networking could be being part of communities. Mm. I think sometimes people think networking is going to an event and being, you know, dressed up and giving a business card and being like, right. hi, my yeah. name is so mm -hmm. it doesn't have to be that way. Right. Sometimes networking is joining a discord server and talking about yep. video games, yep. you know, or um, helping to set up a training program at a volunteer group or something like that. And people are more likely to um, want to help and support those that they know. Unfortunately, that's the case. So like, if you're kind of coming in and you don't know anybody, my first thing is to say is like, go out and talk to everybody. I know that can be difficult yeah. if you're an introvert, kind of like me. It's <laughs> very <laughs> scary. <laughs> it's incredibly scary, but I think people see the effort and they want to support that effort. So, mm -hmm. you know, I've helped other people that have been laid off um, try to find that new home. And it, it does take some time. And, you know, the first thing that I have them do is like, I need you to find at least five people that are doing the job that you want to do next. And I need you to reach out to them. Mm -hmm. I need you to let them know and be honest, you know, hey, I'm looking for something. But I also want to connect. Mm -hmm. That has been really helpful for those individuals. So um, my big thing is like, you got to get out there and talk to people. I mean, most of the time the jobs are, you know, what we call like a, you know, shadow job market or whatever. Right. Um, and, and it really is about you getting out there and talking to people like mm -hmm. you got to put yourself out there. Right. I wanted to ask you about being a minority woman in cybersecurity. I feel like a lot of the times when we have people on the podcast and hear stories, whether it's in conferences or other public events, we hear it from a very general perspective of like, this is the woman's experience or the minority woman's experience, but I would love to hear you as a person, what's been your experience as a minority woman working in cybersecurity? Yeah, so I'll speak just from being a black woman in cybersecurity, because that is the one that I understand and know yeah, the best. Yeah. There have been highs and lows. It's kind of muddled somewhere in between, but you know, a lot of the times I will have leadership that maybe I can tell they don't relate to me and they feel kind of like maybe I shouldn't tread there and get to know Murky her. Murky waters. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And also being most of the time with mainly men and white men, I feel like I have to assimilate a lot more to them and their experiences and their jokes and the way they talk versus it kind of being a, a nice melting pot. I've had a lot of unconscious bias happen, you know, even just like with previous managers and one-on-ones that should be talked about, you know, I'm talking about my performance, what I'm doing, um, what I, you know, what I'd like to accomplish next week. You know, first things we're talking about is, oh, your hair looks different today. Let's talk about mm -hmm. that for 20 minutes. I don't right, want to talk right. about that. I want to yeah. talk about my job. You know, I think a lot of the times there's stereotypes that get brought into the conversation that I don't even think that they see. Um, and I also think that being just in general a woman, I get I've been handed off a lot of the busy work or the work that is not technical. Like none of the technical guys want to do this, mm -hmm. you know, and thus that makes it hard for me to prove myself and prove that the work that I do is valuable. You know, if you're giving me the job no one wants to do because I'm the woman that kills my passion, that kills my drive. I don't want to come to work if the only thing I, I'm supposed to do is be doing comms that should be for a technical writer or even our internal communications team. Like that's, I want to do the technical work yeah that's kind of been the difficult part of you know i always have to be the bright and shiny one anytime that somebody tells me hey lean in a little bit and i do 
it's oh she's being bossy today oh right. wow she's being aggressive today you know <laughs> and that's not a stigma that you want to hold and, and no. that's that's not even an isolated incident i've heard this story a hundred thousand yeah. times so how does someone navigate a scenario like that oh you need to lean in but oh now you're being bossy how does someone calibrate that i think the only way that you really can is to call it out it mm. needs to be called out am i going to get pushback probably but i have to be confident enough to push back and say no, nah, I'm not being bossy. I'm giving my opinion, which is what you would expect me to do in my job. Right. You know, you asked me to come in here and do this job. This is what I am doing. If no one else on my team feels like, um, you know, I can understand if maybe my tone ain't correct or maybe right. I'm throwing an attitude. Fine. Call me out on that. Sure. But bossy, that should never be. Right. That word should be completely thrown out, <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. should never show up yeah. in, a, in a conversation at work. I think the great thing about being a minority, especially a black man in cybersecurity today, is that people are very sensitive, like you're describing. Mm -hmm. they're, they're looking, they're listening, they're reacting. And I feel like it's a perfect opportunity for us to be teachers, to teach people, hey, this is, you know, be cool, be normal. Like, just because I have a new hairdo doesn't mean like it's <laughs> it's something like yeah. crazy yeah. going on. Yeah. But, you know, what have been some of the ways that you've, you know, helped educate people and kind of build more of a community at work to where you're not like the other person, the, the non-conforming uh, or non-representative person on the team? Yeah, so I think I always try to start from the perspective of, it's not malicious. I hope it's not malicious. I right. tend to try to take a very positive perspective. Like I don't think it's coming from um, maliciousness. I think it's just un not being educated about yeah. the subject. And I do try to interject, you know, like, oh, well, you know, this is pretty normal. And, you know, me getting my hair done is, is pretty normal. I do my hair. Let me kind of explain what that process looks like. Because, you know, I've had managers that, you know, maybe adopted children of, uh, you know, they're black children and they like, I'm asking because I don't know how to do my daughter's hair. <laughs> you know? yeah. Here's some resources. I'll help you. I'll talk to you about that. But even, you know, just I think also with me, I tend to try to kind of create a space to listen to other people, too, from other cultures, different backgrounds. And I think also showing that I lead that way, you know, in conversations of asking questions and trying to be polite. I lead by example. But I also, you know, anytime someone makes a statement, I am go, well, okay, here, let me break that down real quick for you. Mm -hmm. Like We have five minutes. We, you know, we're just, we're just chit chatting. But, you know, if, if it's ever like to such a degree, I'll pull them to the side. Like I've gotten to the point where I feel comfortable enough to pull people to the side and say, hey, I didn't feel like that was cool. This comment, this statement, whatever. Can we sit down and talk about it? Can we have a discussion about it? Because I'm trying to understand where you're coming from and I want you to understand where I'm coming from and how that makes me feel or how that looks or how that's perceived or how that's going to have impact on somebody else if you ever manage somebody similar to me down the line again. Mm -hmm. I try to take this approach that if I made a mistake, I would want somebody to come to me this way and say, hey, let's sit down and have a conversation real quick about, yeah. about where that was wrong, you yeah. know? And I've had plenty of people that have done that with me, you know, when I, I've made issues or you know, made mistakes before um, from, you know, with people with different backgrounds or different identities that I've taken the time to sit and explain and go, hey, McKenna, that's not quite right. And I mm -hmm. really appreciate that. And I try to do the same with other people. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. Thank you so much for taking us through your story because yeah. I think a lot of people need to hear it. I mean, whether you're talking about underrepresented folks, really, this is 
something for everybody. And mm -hmm. I just want to say thank you for being vulnerable, coming on a show like this yeah. and being able to talk about that because I think this is stuff that people need to hear. Absolutely, I agree. And I think the more we talk about it, the easier it'll get. Whenever we deal with these hardships, I mean, there's always a learning lesson. And I mean, going from being laid off and five days later finding your new home, I'm sure it was a lifetime of yeah. learning lessons, even in that short amount of time. What are the things that from that experience are you going to take with you into the future, whether you're talking about leading others or mentoring others or even decisions in your own personal life? What has changed in you the most? So I think the thing that has changed in me the most is I think, honestly, it's my ability, one, to to have a good attitude about things and rebound from stuff. So I think it was kind of hard at first for me because I like I really, really wanted to sulk and and just like be upset. But when I saw the the pouring out that I got, I was just like, I can't sit here and feel sorry for myself. Like there's so much more I can do. But the things that I've learned from the people is I, I've learned what good leadership truly, truly looks like. Mm -hmm. um, I've got to practice leadership doing the volunteering work that I've had, but I also have seen what a good or an excellent leader actually looks like and the honesty it takes out of a great leader. Mm -hmm. So I've learned that and I think I'm gonna take some of those things that I've learned while also interviewing with other people and try to inject them into myself as I go in, because though I'm not technically in leadership right now, you know, I, that's a goal for me. Mm -hmm. And so I've learned those lessons and I've also learned how to ask for help a little bit more. So yeah. um, I think I can be a very proud person at times. And, Same. you know, so um, even writing that post, like when I wrote the post on LinkedIn, I wrote it at like three o'clock in the morning and I set it to um, be scheduled at like eight. And then I had to just like put it away because I'm just like my nerves were so intense from even reaching out and telling people, hey, you know, today I had a, you know, today I had an L, I had a loss. Um, and, and then asking for help, that was difficult. So I've learned, you know, better leadership. I've learned how to ask for help. And I've, I've learned how to trust in myself a little bit more. So, mm. yeah. We believe that everything that you're doing really mm -hmm. matters. We appreciate you speaking to us, especially during this time. Mm -hmm. You know, things are crazy and yeah. you've just made a huge jump in your life and career. So, I wanted to say thank you and we see you and all your hard work. Really recommend everyone to stay up to date with you and all the things that you got going on, especially with women, cyber jitsu. Mm -hmm. uh, it's in the show notes for everyone to stay up to date with McKenna. And with that, we'll see everyone next time. Creating high value, consistent content is easy. <laughs> I couldn't even keep a straight face on that one. Creating content is difficult. Trust me, I know. I've created podcasts and internet TV series, and I've learned that creating content on an island makes it even harder. So we created a Hacker Valley Patreon page that has a few tiers. Ron and I have spent a lot of time creating different masterminds for different groups, and we thought it was time to create one for the creatives out there. In order to learn more and sign up for this incredible opportunity, go to patreon.com forward slash Hacker Valley Studio, and we cannot wait to get started and create some magic together.